It's the headlines here on Metro FM Talk. 18 minutes it is before 8 p.m. Sisonde Langape Posini at the South African Post Office. And uh, yeah, it's an entity that has had some tough going in the last while. In the last financial year, uh, arriving at a net loss of 2.2 billion rand. Uh, they've also, I guess, been on a path of reducing staff. And uh, much of what we're going to talk about now uh, has to do with uh, their latest announcement uh, insofar as that pursuit is concerned. And uh, we understand just over two financial years ago, they had about 15,826 staff. Uh, and uh, yeah, by at the end of the 2021-22 financial year, had reduced that by more than around, yeah, just 1,000 or so. Uh, and uh, we make sense of this, um, especially in light of uh, all of the challenges that the post office is confronted with. But it's an important institution because in many ways, the post office is able to reach where many others are unable to reach. If I compare the you know, uh, uh, points of presence, their footprint across the country. Um, I must say, I mean, it's it's the envy of many, I can assure you, uh, because it compares quite closely with the likes of the major retailers, Opigen Bay or ShopRite and many others. And uh, tonight, uh, we have the fortune of being joined by the uh, group CEO out at the South African Post office to talk about the latest there, but to also, uh, I guess, better understand the environment within which the decision, a difficult one, is made. Uh, to lay off workers or to uh, reduce the headcount. And uh, I'm joined by the group CEO, Nomkita Mona. So, Nomkita, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga, and thank you for having us. Tatembo Pile, Siswam. I'm the Pile, Kakulisi, Kibiabilel. Now I hope in Jal. Nam Diazam, and Diazam Angolus, Sugu, Lawanda Batanda, Nayo. But that being said, I mean, let's talk about, you know, what you have certainly been speaking on many media or many a media platform about, which is the latest in the reorganization and restructuring pro, uh, process out at uh, the postal services. Um, just maybe, you know, for the benefit of some of our listeners, just explain to us what this decision is going to involve um, and what stage you are in, I guess, in the deliberation with many interested stakeholders, uh, in particular many of those who would represent the people who would be affected. Yes, so we are still uh, at negotiating stage with uh, the unions and, of course, our other employees. Because, remember, not everyone is unionized at the post office, even though the majority are. We have three unions that uh, organize at the post office, the CWU being one of them, and two unions who have joined together. So we they organize under the name The Joinder. So those are the people that we have been engaged so that they could um, represent the employees and also be able to go and tell them what we have been sharing with them. Mm. So you were asking, yes. Yeah, so so I'm asking, I guess, in in your own thinking, because I guess this action of having the dialogue arises from whatever strategic choices you have made. So maybe just let us in, what is the context that has now sort of prompted you to move in this direction? It's actually multi-pronged. So firstly, uh, in 2021, we concluded a new strategy called the Post Office of Tomorrow Mm. because we understood that the the current Post Office business model, one, is uh, outdated, it's archaic, it's not going to be working, so we do need to change the business model. But it's important to understand what the genesis of the problems of the Post Office uh, was because 
uh, you know, people tend to look at the post office today and say, oh, there's a problem here mm. and, and attribute it to various things. But actually, uh, if you analyze the past uh, all the way from about 19 years ago, which is the last time that the post office had posted a profit uh, beyond which from about 2016 coming to where we are, it has just been a free fall it's been in decline. For a number of reasons, uh, both in the economic environment, but also uh, about the decisions that we took as the post office in the past that have then led us to where we are, which is, a, is a, an unenviable position. What are those decisions, Namkit? Yes, so the first one was, uh, if you go back to 2008, uh, you remember the economic recession, so it yes. was nobody's need, it was nobody's decision. So it affected all of us, mm. and uh, the decline, you know, started being felt. And shortly thereafter, we, there was this whole adoption of the smartphone, okay. and that affected the business of the post office. And as we were coming down, looking at our volumes coming down, we did not pivot quickly enough as the post office to say, volumes are coming down, we're no longer getting uh, huge volumes of mail. But we kept the number of employees, we mm. kept our costs, and we really did not even uh, modernize and digitize. And we basically, uh, I don't know if you understand or, or you've heard about the parable of the boiled frog, where they talk about we kind of waited until it was too late for us to try to jump, yes, and by yes. which time the, flo- the frog has been boiled. I mean, I'm not giving you the full uh, thing. But um, after that recession and the decline, we then had that long process, mm. which in our view is actually what broke the camel back. Because um, that, that strike was too long. Uh, businesses in South Africa, all of whom, and actually even uh, individuals, they used to rely on the postal service for ensuring that the connectivity with their clients, mm. they had to go and find alternatives. Yeah. And then at the time, new entrants came in, and the couriers, you know, came in and thrived, and they've been eating our lunch ever since. And then there's yeah. a whole lot of other. Okay. So, Snomkid, I want us to pause yes. here for a second. Uh, when yes. we come back, I'll start off on that point you're raising around, you know, the new kids on the block eating your lunch, um, mm. And I guess, you know, the opportunity that that would have or even e-commerce would have presented for your courier's business. I don't know what subsequently happened to that. Uh, but we'll come back to all of those issues. And I guess also a bit of this um, uh, background that uh, you're giving us as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm in discussion with uh, the group CEO out at the South African Post Office. Uh, this is Nom Kitamana. And uh, we are talking, I guess, about uh, the situation that has given rise to an environment of consistent losses in uh, 2022 at around 2.2 billion rand uh, in losses. But here's an interesting factoid um, coming through from uh, a results presentation to Parliament by the Post Office in 2007. And uh, they say financial turnaround uh, was also achieved when comparing the Post Office's operating loss of 865 million in 2001 to a profit of 486 million in 2006-7. And uh, yeah, so... Um, this has been done before. The South African Post Office has been able to turn around its financial fortunes before. And I think the big question we'll be asking Sisnom Kitamona after is uh, what are some of the building blocks that are required for the same to happen again?
Yeah, that uh, story, they're coming out of uh, the post office in Tendane, courtesy of our colleague, SABC News reporter Luandile Mbulali, who was out at the Tendane post office. I'm in discussion with uh, the group CEO out at the South African post office, uh, Nomkita Mona. And this is Nomkita, you would have heard that uh, report coming out of uh, Tendane, uh, members of the community saying they need to travel vast distances to Butterworth in order to get the same services. And as I said, it's probably the one service that is close to many communities that might not have any other services. You were speaking about the couriers eating your lunch. Um, You know, it's the one example of a monopoly squandered because the Act gives you a monopoly on parcels under one kilogram, didn't defend the monopoly. And I guess that would be one of the things that you mention in this history uh, that uh, you speak of. Just some of your reflections um, on that and I guess also this uh, brief clip. Uh, Because the other thing, Sosnomkita post office, the real estate itself, just as you go into the buildings. What are some of the things you're doing there? Yeah, so let me start with the Gwendani story. Mm. Uh, we are aware of the problems happening in Gwendani. The biggest issue there is the crime. And you then find that there's always robberies when there's Sasa payments happening. So that is one issue. But I think it links back to what you just mentioned around the real estate itself. So we do need to beef it up. We need to make sure that it's safe, both for our own employees, but mm. also for the um, community members. Um, our real estate, in fact, is sitting at about $2.4 billion in terms of value. And we are not deriving the value that you should uh, get from uh, that kind of um, uh, real estate. Purely because we haven't invested enough money in um, you know, revamping and also maintaining our buildings. So most of them have gone into disrepair. And also, if you remember in the past, we used to use our own buildings uh, as the post office. But then when the malls came up, we also wanted to be part of the traffic. And we therefore moved into the mall. But um, in that strategy, which was also, by the way, governed by what ICASA has given us as a guideline to say within a certain kilometer radius, but also for X number of um, you know, citizens, you need to have a postal service. Mm. So we tended, therefore, to be oversubscribed, especially in the, in the metros uh, where people are able to find opportunities. Mm. So, so we are trying to, to, to reverse some of those decisions, which at, which at the time may have like the right decision, but if you look at it in terms of the impact into the future of the company, mm. they have been detrimental. Talk to me a bit more about your expense bill. I mean, I understand 61% is employee-related costs. Um, so those are salaries, wages, benefits, and so on. Um, and, and I ask this in the context of the point I made before we went to the break. I mean, uh, issues of turnaround are not new to the SAPO. Um, you know, I, I read the report from 2007. In 2001, it was 800 million rand worth in a loss. Uh, that was shifted to a 486 million rand profit by 2006 7. Uh, so, this mm. has been done before. But if I look at your numbers between two, 2006 7, when that profit was made, and I look at tw- um, 2021 22, it seems the expenditure bill has probably flattened. Uh, it was 4.6 billion rand trading expenses in 2007. It's probably at around the same level, 5.6 billion, give a billion or, or take away a billion in 2022. Mm. Um, but if I compare your revenue, your top line revenue, it was 5 billion rand in 2006 7, 
um, it's less than that amount. And if you add even the time value of money, it, it means mm-hmm. you've moved in reverse probably by half, actually, of what you were right. making uh, in 2006-7. There's something out of kilter here. What is happening in that expenditure line? And has this past that you speak about led to a situation where your revenues have not grown in the same vein or had a flattening effect in the same vein as maybe your expenses? Yes, I think you've actually analyzed it very well. Um, so the first issue is that uh, in I'm, I'm trying to get back to the years. So in uh, the last time we posted the profit was a, profit was about uh, 19 years ago, and then the decline started. Then we had the strike, and after the strike, we also then had uh, two events which were quite critical for the you know part-time workers, mm. and then they would go and sell them to whichever employer would take them. Over time, they, they fell out of favor, and there was a big push to do away with labor brokers. What SAPO did in that era was to absorb 8,250 uh, 5, 8, uh, part-time employees whom they didn't have full-time work for, but they didn't want to throw them out uh, you know, into the street. And shortly thereafter, there is a, 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 a division of SAPO, which was a career freight group, when it folded and collapsed, there were 708 employees who were also absorbed into SAPO. No real work for them. The company had folded, and that only added additional expenses to uh, the SAPO business. In the meantime, the um, revenue was going down because the letter mail volumes were dropping. You know, many people were no longer using that. And the COVID came as well, and then there was this, a speedy adoption of digitization and modernization. And so the post office just sat there and just kept the, um, the expenses high. So our current expenses of employment or cost of employment is sitting at 68% of our expenditure. Mm. It is completely unsustainable. Now, now the other element, and, and, and I think that might explain why it is that you are undertaking what you are doing. But the other leg, and I spoke about this in the introduction, I mean, your, your points of presence in the society are the envy of so many other entities. I mean, they are comparable to some of the national retail chain networks, basically. And I'm quite interested in to what degree the discussion within government is happening about the maximizing the potential revenue that can come from agency fees. I was speaking to Andila earlier on. I mean, in as much as there's a sad story of the last 25 years or so, there are some good stories there. I mean, the digitization of the entire motor vehicle licensing renewal system via the post office is a good story. The expansion of SASA and its entrenchment and institutionalization via the post office in many of our communities is a good story. And there are many other stories about how you've been able to use the points of presence you have to create a single window of entry into the government for many communities. Are you having those discussions? And what other potential forms of agency fees could potentially be offered at uh, the post office? I mean, I'd, I'd love to do my tax returns there. I'd love to do all, so many other things that might not be possible because those institutions aren't available in the small towns we come from. Correct. So what we've done in 2021 is we developed the strategy I spoke about called the Post Office of Tomorrow. And the Post Office of Tomorrow, and we say to the Post Office that is uh, giving South Africans, you know, a hybrid model. So there will be the bricks and mortar in all the areas that you need a physical post office. 
but also we know that the world has moved and there has been a lot of digitization and there are people like you and I who would prefer to transact with the post office uh, from the comfort of our homes. And that's why we're developing this app called Sapo in My Pocket so that you can have all those there. That's the one area. The issue of the SASA grant, the, it was the correct principle for SASA to be distributed by the post office. However, where it went wrong is the contract that was signed for the post office was extremely detrimental to the post office. We didn't actually make money from that contract. But also there were other unintended consequences where we introduced the three sisters and the queues were long mm. and people then stopped coming to our, uh, to our counters for the other transactions that they would have made at the post office. But correctly so, you're right. The MVL, uh, which is online, has been a, a great success for us. We are now perfecting it. We picked up a number of uh, glitches here and there, but there are more than 70,000 people who have successfully renewed using that to that line. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot more, but I think the future is even more exciting for us. Now, I guess on that point, I mean, what are some of the other potential services that could be offered? Um, yes. and, and, and the reason why I ask, it comes back to the same real estate issue. I, I mean, you go to mm-hmm. post offices all the time. You would know. There are probably in most post offices 15 to say 20, 25 kiosks, you know, the places where one can go and, and queue up. And with where we are now, I, in the last three to five years, have never seen anything beyond three of those kiosks used at any one time. Um, mm-hmm. so, so there's also a question of how do you maximize the floor space of the existing assets you have, especially in instances where the post office owns the property. Why aren't you getting small businesses in the community to come and use the space or use the space for any other similar such use? Yeah, I like the way you think. You, you actually speak as if you read our strategy. Our strategy executive does that. Number one, we are the envy of all the other retailers in the country. We actually surpass them by far in terms of reach, in terms mm. of where we are. Every small little dorky in this country, you will find a post office of sorts. But here's the thing which you are actually spot on about. We are creating a post office of tomorrow, which will become a service center for even other government services. We are in talks with the Department of Home Affairs. We want them to come and call a place in our branches where there is no Department of Home Affairs in that region. But people must be able to come and get those services from us. We are already, uh, you know, transacting with the Department of Transport via the motor vehicle licensing. We are expanding that business into the delivery of the actual licenses themselves in other services. Of course, remember, we have the Post Bank which also co-locates with us. So I'd like you to have a, a picture in your mind of mm. a modern building where you walk in. You can even have a kiosk in the post office for self-service, but also if you want to go in and transact with others. But we also in talks with the telcos where they will be able to come and sell, you know, their products from our country. So there's a whole lot of exciting, uh, you know, opportunities for us. Uh, but the biggest one actually is the e-commerce that you mentioned, uh, together with the logistics and warehousing. We are pushing that very hard. Mm. Let, let's talk about that. I mean, uh, the logistics and the warehousing, especially in the context now of e-commerce. But uh, I also saw something else, I mean, that you guys are talking about, that uh, 
You are engaged with the State Information Technology Agency for cloud hosting. Um, and then there's also a uh, proposed use of some of your real estate for data centers. Tell us a bit more about that. Correct. So firstly, uh, remember, we also have a data center. We do need to have it. It's quite a massive one, but ours is also old. So we are looking to migrate uh, to cloud, but our system would have to have a hybrid. So we would need to lift and shift some of the physical equipment to a physical place, but also we're looking into going into cloud. So that's what we, we may have read about. Uh, in terms of that's now the data center, Another exciting project that we have is what is called the, you know, when you have an electronic signature, it's yes. called the track center. So the post office was originally the only uh, entity that could do that. But then because we dropped a number of balls over the past few years, entered another entrance, which is now, um, you know, fulfilling that, um, that role. But we want to get back into it and ensuring that as everybody now is going digital, everyone is going to require a, an electronic signature, and we want to be able to, to, to offer that. Mm. So there are those issues that we're looking into quite um, you know, strongly. As we wrap up, uh, Nomkita, let's maybe circle back to the headcount issue. Uh, what's your headcount at the moment, and what's your target uh, with this uh, restructuring you're undertaking? When we did the strategy in 2021, we were sitting at 15,600 employees. Uh, today, we're sitting at 12,513. Uh, we have managed to take out 1,742 via the voluntary severance package. So we haven't started any uh, retrenchments just yet. But we said to employees, if you wish to exit, uh, come talk to us and we'll be able to make it worth your while as, as far as we could. And of course, um, some of those are retirees and the natural attrition. So currently, um, we're looking at 12,000, 12 and a half. When we did the strategy and we said we needed to take out 6,000 people, uh, that was in 2021, mm. we were going to take out 3,000 per annum and mm. then take another one this year. So we are well on our way and we have done it in a manner that has not been too detrimental to our employees. I would hope that you are also considering lateral shifts, I mean, in the process, not, not to just, because, hey, so, I mean, is there scope in the whole warehousing and all of these new revenue verticals you're talking about for at least people to move laterally within the organization? This is exactly why we've taken as long as we have to get to the Section 189 notice. We're looking at other alternatives to say, uh, for instance, we're discussing, we still are discussing with the unions uh, to work a three-day work week because then people can rotate. The post office would open the, mm. the normal hours, but at least some people would work for three days and they get paid for that. But to your point, we have also decided that we want to create what we call the owner-driver model. Mm. So all our drivers would then be assisted to go and get their own cars. <laughs> Why? I mean, why not? No, no, no. And let me tell you, Sidomkita, why I say that. Mm. The recent history in this country is littered with experiences that those arrangements have been exploitative. You go to the bottling divisions of Coca-Cola, you go to the Ubers of the world, you go to the logistics sector where this has been used, 
at the end of the day, it's the workers who get the shortest end of the stick. For you as a firm, I understand it makes sense because, you know, you can shift that into, you know, away from being a long-term commitment and benefits to a full-time employee to something that you can have on your OPEX lines. But for the workers themselves, yeah. It is, yo, 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 uh. Well, I think, I think you're looking at it from the experiences that you've just cited, which I also am aware about. Mm. But remember, if you're talking e-commerce, we're talking logistics, it's pumping. It's the way to go. So what we are saying to our employees, we would guarantee your work. You know, we won't give it to anyone else before we give you sufficient work for you to make the money. So that's the, that's our model, basically. So you give them first uh, right of refusal to, like, trips? 100%. Okay. 100%. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. No, yeah, yes. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll certainly uh, talk to you again because I know uh, you're still in deliberations with uh, the unions and uh, uh, we'll certainly get some feedback from them as well about how those discussions are going. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity.